When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Cotton Club Crew to episode number three. Uh, tonight we're going to have a kind of a change up with our lineup. It's going to be me, Jack, along with Reed, and we're welcoming Chris for our first time uh, with the main show. Uh, you know, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from the mailbag uh, on the, on Mondays, and so uh, we're bringing Chris along for this episode. And um, without further ado, you know, let's just dive into it. Um, Today on our agenda, we have uh, baseball, and we are recording right after the end of North Texas's uh, NIT semifinal victory over Wisconsin. Uh, we're kind of going to touch on how we're feeling about Grant McCasland. Uh, it's getting more and more kind of obvious by the day uh, that he will most likely be the next head coach at Texas Tech. So we're kind of going to touch on, you know, what positives we've seen and uh, how we're feeling about that. But, uh, you know, before we can get excited about that, uh, we have to talk about some stuff that's pretty uh, not exciting right now uh, in terms of the baseball team. Um, this past weekend, uh, Texas Tech went down to Austin and, uh, you know, this is a very winnable baseball series. Texas is down this year. Uh, although you wouldn't know by the way the series, uh, shaped out, uh, Tech was 14th going into this series, uh, Texas was unranked and proceeded to sweep Texas Tech, um, by final scores of 6-2, 6-5, and 9-8. Uh, Tech did get walked off by Texas on Saturday and Sunday, um, we're just going to kind of dive into this. Um, I'll touch on a little bit of each game. We'll touch on it kind of as a whole, um, but mostly the series as a whole, uh, each game individually a, a little bit. Um, you know, Friday, Tech's in the game. It was it was pretty close the whole time um, until the, you know, until the bottom of the eighth when uh, Texas kind of extended that lead, they scored three in the bottom of the eighth to make it a three-two from a three-two game, uh, you know, to a six-two, which ended up being the final. Um, you go Saturday, um, you know, Tech comes back to tie, uh, and then uh, you know gets walked off in the bottom of the night. Sunday was even a bigger comeback, um, and then uh, you proceed to get walked off in that one as well. Um, well, guys, let's just get into it. There's a pretty common theme. Um, Reed, I'll go to you first on this. Um, before we touch on the pitching, uh, is there anything positive that you kind of saw from this series? Um, you know, is is there anything that we can, you know, hold our heads high about uh, after, you know, after a kind of a gut punch, so to speak? Yeah, I definitely think gut punch. Gut punch is probably the uh, one of the correct terms to, to pair with 
what went down this weekend in Austin. Um, you know, you're kind of riding a little bit of a little bit of a high after beating Oklahoma State last weekend um, and, and getting that series win, the first play in Big 12, and um, you're getting more of a low of a lowly UT team, uh, not bad by any means, but definitely not a you know powerhouse that they've been in the past. So, um, just in terms of, of things that I would say we've we can kind of build off on uh, when you look at this team as a whole. Uh, I, I said it last week. There's, they're they're super young across the board, um, especially when you factor in some injury problems we've had with lucky guys like Dylan Carter. So, um, and some other ones that I can't even remember off the top of my head right now. But, <clears throat> um, but with, with that being said, I, I'd say that, and then also too is, I know you lose three games, but um, and with two of them being walk offs, but um, I feel like I see a lot of fight in the team that. At uh, times in the years past, we haven't seen before. Um, there's been times we've been down uh, quite a few runs and have been able to build a comeback and have kind of like stringed some things together and um, made some positives out of uh, situations that weren't very so positive at all. So um, I think we'll once we start kind of gelling, which I'm hoping we will here pretty quickly, um, we'll start be able, being able to string some runs together and um, kind of can put a complete game together on uh, both sides of the ball. So um, factoring in those two, um, but I think the biggest issue so far that's really been a key problem for um, Tech in, in the years past is just they just can't win away from Lubbock right now. So I'm hoping with some time together and some more games away uh, from Lubbock, we'll be able to start figure some things out. But um, for, for now, I think that's the main thing they got to start worrying about. Yeah, I agree. Um, Chris, you know, this, this team and, um, you had a, you had a good segment on, on the mailbag Mondays. Uh, I guess it was last week, um, talking about, you know, replacements for, um, Dylan Carter this weekend and today, we haven't really touched on today's game, but, uh, you know, it, it seems that Owen Washburn has kind of found his swing again. Uh, you know, Owen Washburn, I homered again today. Um, you know, can you just talk about, I guess, um, how much of a positive it is just to have another uh, kind of, you know, as experienced as Tech has really right now uh in terms of, you know, experience game-wise, uh, just how important it is to have Owen Washburn swinging a good bat again. Yeah, I think it goes without saying, you know, losing Dylan Carter is something that you're not going to be able to replace, especially during the season. It's He's probably one of, if not our best bat when he's out there. And when he's not out there, we can clearly see that there needs to be a different veteran kind of stepping up. And like you said, Owen Washburn, maybe not as much experience, but just seeing the way that he played this weekend, although it was, you know, we got swept. It's kind of like the lone, one of the lone bright spots for this uh, baseball team right now. And I think I had mentioned like, yeah, like it, it, somebody needed to kind of step up and he's been that guy who has. And I was kind of looking forward to, a few of the younger guys. I know I think one guy that I mentioned specifically, Jarrett Curtis kind of stepping up and he hasn't really done that. I think they kind of gave him a little bit of a chance and are kind of trying a few different things. So it's not to say that he 
has completely been awful or he kind of messed up, but he hasn't really, I know that he scored a run in the last game, if I'm not mistaken, one of the last two games, but like those younger guys, especially Jarek, who I think this is his first year. Yeah. He's a freshman this year. So seeing those guys kind of get some experience is good. But like you said, Owen Washburn being able to play the way that he has is very important for this team. And hopefully we can start seeing that result in wins, but for right now, I mean, the, the thing that sucks is that obviously you hate getting walked off and, you know, we're going to talk about the pitching part of the game in a bit, but it, this team did score. Like, I mean, they got pit, they got walked off. I think it was 11 to 10, you know, put up, putting up 10 runs is pretty solid and not having the pitching to be able to, you know, get you home is really disappointing. And the game before that, I think it was six to five. So five runs. I mean, you would like to be able to win with that, but especially against, like you said, the Texas team that isn't really as dominant as they have been in the past, but still a very good team. So I'm hoping that, you know, Dylan Carter, I don't know what his status is. Um, Hopefully he gets back soon. But yeah, Owen Washburn playing the way that he did, you know, it can't go without saying that it is important. And hopefully we could start seeing wins come out of that. I agree. I think the last time that I had heard, uh, I think we're still about five five to six weeks out on uh, on Dylan Carter at minimum. Uh, so uh, I think if there's a really good chance that you probably might not see him again, possibly until the Big 12 tournament in Arlington, which is um, that'd be Memorial Day weekend. Um, now, I mean, the elephant in the room. You give up. You know, six runs on Friday, six runs on Saturday, nine runs on Sunday, and today, 11 runs in Albuquerque. Uh, You know, this is after an Oklahoma State series where you allowed seven on Friday and nine on Saturday. Um, To put it bluntly, there are issues. Um it's very apparent. Yeah, some of these guys are younger, um, but some of these guys aren't. Um, your Sunday guy, I'm really not that worried about Sundays. Sunday, you're throwing Tabor fast, and yeah, you'd like him to be better. He's young. He's a kid. and um, I think my, my stuff right now, and like today, so today... Zane Petty started, gave up five runs in the first inning. I don't even, he, he probably didn't even make it out. He didn't make it out of the first inning, I don't think. So, I mean, would you like something better? Like, yeah, you would. You've you've heard about these hyped pitchers all offseason. You've heard about how good Tabor Fast was going to be. You heard about how good Zane Petty was going to be. These could just be off games. Um, and yeah, they're young, but I'd like, you know, you want to talk about the Friday and Saturday stuff. Um, these are your two guys that do have experience. Brendan Gurton does have experience. You know, Mason Molina has experience. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little iffy, um, to see that kind of, I know Brendan Gurton's been struggling with some location stuff recently. Um, but I mean, you really want to get into it. It's it's the bullpen that uh, for me is what is starting to uh, is really kind of m- not screwing these games up. But I think sometimes at points these guys are being left left in a little bit too long. Um, 
y'all know me. I'm a big I'm a big fan of Trendon Parish, but only in short inning situations. Uh, you know, in that game on uh, on Sunday in Austin, you know he 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 was kept in there an inning too long. Uh, you know he get, he went through two innings pretty much untouched, and then he gives up two runs and whatever in the final inning that he pitched. Uh, you bring in Ryan Free. Ryan Free has kind of been slumping in the last three or four games. Uh, you know, an inning like he went one third of an inning, gave up two runs, uh, walked two batters. Uh, you know, threw seventeen pitches, and only like seven of them were strikes. Like. You have you're having location issues on this team, and um, I I really want to like probably have like an un, like a conversation that people might not want to have right now, and it's a problem that has been happening for a while now with this team, um, and I'm not just talking about this year. I'm talking it was a problem last year. And it was to be blunt. It was a problem the year before that. Um, the last two seasons prior to this, you know, tech pitching has been has had issues, and um, it, both seasons it's kind of gotten better. As this, it's kind of gotten better at times, but then it kind of falls back down. And then in the postseason, it goes, it gets really sharp, right? And then all of a sudden. You don't make Omaha or whatever, and then you start over. So you start over, and the pitching is an issue again, and it's not getting better. It's not getting changed, and I'm comfortable enough right now to call this a pattern because, yeah, you know, these kids are young this year, but it was a problem. It was a big problem last year. I don't know if either of you two remember how big of a problem it was last season, but it was a huge problem, uh, the pitching staff, after you got past the starters last year, after you got past Birdsell uh, and uh, Andrew Morris last year. It was an issue, uh, that bullpen, because Brendan Girton was hurt. He didn't pitch at all after like the Iowa game, So uh, after the Iowa series last year. So you had all those games after that uh, where you know, you're kind of searching. Um I, I, there is some, there is some, you know, merit to what Reed said about the, the, these guys being young, um, but if you look at, at the uh, Texas game, also at the, any of the Texas games, um, the guys that are pitching and are get that are giving up runs, uh, Lysick, he was here last year, um, you know, Ryan Freeze, noob-ish, but I mean, not really. Andrew Devine. I mean, Andrew Devine was giving up runs. He's been here for forever, it seems like. So, you know, these are all, um, this is just, it's uncharacteristic. Well, unfortunately, I have to say that it's, at some point, it is starting to be characteristic of this bullpen to give up large amounts of runs. Um, Chris, I'll switch the order and I'll come back to you. Um what are your thoughts on this? Are you are am I just way off? Am I way out of left field here, or would you be comfortable in calling this, you know, somewhat of a pattern? Also, I mean, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, one hundred percent. Like this team, the past. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. The schedule: we just lost, gave up eleven runs, 
obviously a walk-off. We just lost, gave up nine runs, six runs. You know, we had a good performance against Oklahoma State in that last game, but we also gave up nine runs in the loss of them, gave up seven in the win the first game. You know, this team is giving up a whole lot of runs, and, you know, honestly – it says a lot about our offense this year. It says a lot about the guys swinging the bat, that they're able to kind of win these games and get it out of the mud when the pitching staff hasn't really been helpful, specifically the bullpen. I mean, the I mean, the walk-offs speak for themselves, especially when it's consecutive and when it's happening consistently. There's not much else you can say about it other than it's a problem and it needs to be addressed, whether that's changing something up with the bullpen, the order, the guys, who's com- the guys who are coming out or – Something because it really is an issue, and I can't see why anybody would think that it isn't. It seems to like people don't want to address the issues, and people don't want to, you know, face the facts that this bullpen is just not where it needs to be in order for us to make a run when it comes down to the college world series and just the playoffs in general. But yeah, I mean, I'll let Reed take over, but it's just, yeah, the, bull, the bullpen is definitely an issue. Yeah, Reed. I I want to I want to ask you. You know, um, do you think I kind of rephrase it in a different question? You know, these last four games, Tech has lost. Um, co- just happened to coincide with the four game suspension of Beckel. Um, you you will have today was the last game of Beckel's suspension, so you will have Brandon Beckel back for the TCU series this weekend. Um, would you be? I'll I'll pose this kind of jokingly. Would you be shocked if Beckles the first guy out of the bullpen this weekend against TCU? You know, after kind of what we've seen recently, I don't think there's uh, really a, a problem with that. If I'm, if I'm being honest, if you're trying to get a stable arm in there after your starters are out, um, then I definitely think he's probably um, towards the top of the list of guys that you kind of want to put in the game. So. Uh, having him back for a series like TCU is definitely going to be huge. And, um, you know, one that we're playing in Lubbock, you're, you're hoping that um, we're, we're able to at least get two out of that series after uh, losing in a sweep to UT uh, this this past weekend. So, um, but yeah, I mean, really just a coattail on the pitching staff um, in general. Even if you think back to the years we made the College World Series, um, if I can just think off the top of my head, even with those teams, the reason that we couldn't advance ourselves in the World Series is because our pitching wasn't good enough. Uh, we hit, Year in, year out, we had one of the best lineups in the country. Uh, at scoring runs, hitting home runs, whatever you want to call it, uh, getting getting guys across the plate. We were one of the best teams in the nation doing that uh, for, for kind of that like five, six-year period because um, we always had guys that could hit. That was never really the issue. We just – we couldn't find a stable rotation of guys out of the bullpen to uh, kind of push us over the hump a little bit. And um, we definitely had good starters and we've had good relievers, but we haven't had, you know, three to five guys that are super stable uh, and can provide consistent outcomes for you uh, out of the bullpen. And that's really just kind of plagued this, really the whole Tadlock era, honestly. And that's not the d- dog on Tadlock at all because uh, he's, he's a coach I want to have here forever. And, um, and I always hope he's he's our baseball coach. I don't I don't not trying to say I want a different coach at the helm or anything like that. Um, but I think that's just been my one main knock on him is that we just haven't been able to figure out the bullpen for uh, what seems like forever since he's been here. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, thinking back, you know, you're right. Like, uh, we had, um, we've always been really good at scoring runs. And, and like you said, Chris, I this year is no different. This team can play runs. Um, you know, I, I think your, your one outlier is that game on Friday uh, in Austin, you know, you only scored two runs. Um, but... You know, you go down, back down the schedule, I mean, you're able to score runs. Um, even in some of the losses, you know, you had, you know, in a loss at a, in that Sunday game against Iowa where they avoided the sweep. Uh, you know, you still scored nine runs. But then again, there's your pitching again giving up ten. So, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, we're at our third, um, you know, Big 12 series and to me, I think it's pretty safe to say that this team has found its identity, um, you know, and unfortunately, I think it's an identity where in order to feel comfortable, um, you're going to have to hope that your team puts up at least seven or eight runs in order to feel good about winning a game. Um you know, it was seven or eight runs wasn't good enough on Sunday against Texas. Ten runs today in New Mexico wasn't good enough. Um, so, you know, you look, you're looking at the game this Friday, Saturday, Sunday series against TCU. Um, I'll be there covering this one. Uh, I will be at the game on Saturday um, in Lubbock. So um, I'm looking forward to it, but. Um, you know, I, I this will be the first game I get to see in person this year. Probably one of the only ones I'll get to see in person this year. So um, I'm, I'm really looking, kind of looking forward to you know seeing what's the, what the deal is. You know, if if maybe we can turn it around. Um, you know, is is there something that you know it, that's that simple that can be you know a switch can be flipped and you know this and all of a sudden our bullpen can start coming in and, you know, giving good outings, uh, you know, because you get into some other games down the schedule. I mean, you have that two-game series in uh, Palo Alto against Stanford, then follow that up with three games in Norman, who all of a sudden OU's decided that they want to play some baseball again, even though they weren't supposed to be that good. Um you know, you, you you then you have a, a good Grand Canyon team at home, um, a Baylor team that you know by then who knows um, you should you should sweep that series. I think I would consider it a bad weekend if you don't sweep Baylor at home. Um, and then you know you're on the road at Kansas State, you know at home against Sam Houston, and then at West Virginia at home against Kansas. So you have a very front heavy. Big 12 slate, if I'm being quite honest. Uh, you know, you have probably the three toughest teams besides your own team in the first three series. So um, there is, you know, a um, there's a path here for this team to make a run down that backstretch, you know, just quietly going about their business and not really, um, you know, not really folding. I mean, the team's that are in the big 12 are good, but you know, there's some that are a lot better than others. And I think there's definitely two tiers in this conference. And, um, you know, you've been lucky enough to be on that top tier for about 10 years now. So, um, or maybe closer to, you know, eight, 
but you get you get what I'm saying. You're on that upper. You're in that upper echelon. Um, yeah, can I, I'll I'll go ahead and I'll lean in with uh, some predictions from you guys. Um, I know we really haven't touched on TCU all that much. Um, I do want to talk about. Um, you know their um, their baseball team. You know they're fifteen and nine. Um, they're four and two in Big Twelve play. They have won five in a row. Um, but kind of like Tech, uh, you know they're not very good away from home. They're two and three away from home. Uh, well, in true away games, they're two and three. Um, they, uh, you know, they played in that, uh, they played in the opening tournament, uh, at Globe Life, the one it was, it was TCU, Texas, and Oklahoma State played against Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Missouri. Um, they looked pretty good in that one, and then they went on the road, uh, or they lost two of three at home against Florida State, I should say. They were also in the Shriners Classic that we were in, but they didn't play us, um, you know they've they've lost one at home to San Diego State. Um, they lost the series at Oklahoma. Um, so you know you get uh, you get a team that I mean they swept Kansas this weekend at home. I should say also. So um, they've won five in a row, but this team is beatable. Uh, they lost, like I said, they lost the series in. Uh, in Norman to Oklahoma in the opening series of the year of the opening big 12 series of the year. Um, TCU is all is, is known a little bit to, to have some good fortune in Lubbock at times. Um, I believe the last time they were in Lubbock, uh, you saw Cal Conley walk off home run. And I believe tech took two of three in that series. Uh, so, uh, I believe TCU won the Friday night game and Tech came back and won Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so with that being said, um, I'll go ahead and get some predictions and then we can move on. Uh, Reed, uh, you have Tech winning in this. You have TCU coming in stunning. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, you, you'd like to think that uh, after the weekend we just had that we will be able to bounce back and do something. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I think you, you really need to have two wins in this series. You can't lose back-to-back series against um, two of the better teams in the conference, um, especially one being at home. You, you need to win um, against TCU this weekend. I, I do think we get two, two wins this weekend, one loss. Um, I'm going to take the – the Friday game, and then we're going to win the rubber match on Sunday, I think. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure if the, the bullpen really gets figured out. I think we're going to have to score some runs again uh, in order to, to win some games, uh, probably at least six or seven each one in order to get a, get a W. But uh, at this point, I think we just need to find a way to string some wins together and kind of get back on track to uh, kind of get back head in the right direction. Yeah, I like that. Chris, what do you got for this weekend? Yeah, I think kind of like what you said, they're in a similar boat as us, but, I mean, they just put up in their last two against Kansas 18 and 14 runs. So this might be a bit of a run festival. So I will say that I'll probably agree with Reed here that we win two and 
I would say probably start off hot, win the Friday matchup, lose Saturday, and then uh, take it home on Sunday. So, yeah, I'm predicting a two out of three win the series, but there'll be, there will be a lot of runs scored. I like the uh, the fact that y'all are both in on Tech winning this series, but it's also interesting to me that uh, y'all are talking about losing on Saturday, which would mean we'll have lost all three Big Twelve uh, Big Twelve series on Saturday, uh, which is pretty interesting considering that you, at, right now I would say that uh, Molina might be your most uh, stable guy on the mound. Just um, following the trend, Jack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know. One something, two's a trend, three's a pattern. So um, <laughs> that's how I always look at things. So um, I hope y'all are wrong considering I'm also going on Saturday and that's the only day that I'm going to the game. Uh, but um, I'm going to go with Tech winning this series also. Um, except I think Tech gets back on track and I I also think they win 2 of 3 but I think it's uh they win Friday Saturday and TCU avoids the sweep on Sunday. I I just I'm not too confident in our Sunday slot right now and um it's just one of those things where uh the only way that I think that Tech wins on Sunday is if you do what you did against Oklahoma State and just get on them early and often and, you know, only allow them to play seven innings, which I don't really see happening. Um, but it could. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with two of three also, except I'm going to switch up the order. I'm going to go Friday, Saturday uh, for Tech and then Sunday for TCU. Um. With that being said, we're right at about uh, 30 minutes. Uh, we're going to move on. Um, we've kind of touched a bit on uh, the future of Texas Tech basketball. Um, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion now that uh, Grant McCasland will be the next head coach at Texas Tech. Um, he is the current head coach at North Texas. Uh, they had a NIT semifinal game tonight that they won 56 to 54. Um, they were down 41 to 29 at halftime. Uh, and yes, your math is correct. That means that <laughs> Wisconsin scored 13 points in the second half on that North Texas defense. And Wisconsin did not score for the final nine and a half minutes of this game. Not a field goal, not a free throw, nothing. They had no points in the final nine and a half minutes. Um, I will say I watched this game. Is pretty, you know, we talk about this and how, you know, there are some of the guys that aren't on tonight uh, in our in our group. Uh, you know, or I know, I know Macon's one of them for sure. He, you know, he's big on, he's tired of the defensive brand of basketball and he wants to, you know, those high flying teams and stuff. Um, but watching that game tonight, it kind of reminded me of like the old school, uh, you know, early 2017, 2018, you know, Chris Beard defenses, um, just seeing them lock, get locked down like that. And, um, you know, I just, 
you think that you know if Grant McCasland is the guy, and it, like I said, it, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. Um, you just pray to God that he hires a good offensive coach that can actually bring some offense because his offense wasn't much better. Um, but with that being said, um, Chris, I'll go to you on this. Um, I just kind of interested on your opinion on the, on this, on Grant McCasson and the hire. And, you know, um, do you think that, um, you know, if he were hired and not a whole lot of guys hit the portal, um, do you think that, you know, it's reasonable to hope for, uh, you know, a better season than what, uh, you know, transpired this year? I think so. I think that you got to kind of let things play out before like a true assessment is made of this team, but just coming off of like this nice game that I saw from him and that team, you know, just seeing the way that they play defense and obviously the way that they play offense, we all know maybe not the most entertaining brand, but like you said, and it's kind of a point that's been reiterated that if we get a, pretty good offensive coach to help kind of patch up that part of the game went as far as like Grant McCaslin and his system. I mean, the defense is what it is. It is fun to watch. I, I true, I truly love watching them play defense. I've been watching quite a few games of them and just watching the way that they play and the way that they kind of just lock you down and don't let you do anything that you want to do. It's really, it's like a suffocating defense that is just, and maybe it's just because we've been used to watching it work here at Texas Tech for the past few years, but I would love the hire. I would love to see him bring in players. I think that he's, I mean, obviously he's just been at North Texas and maybe that's not the best school to bring in top quality talent, but, you know, from what I've read and from what I've kind of seen, he's a really popular guy amongst, you know, the high school ranks and, you know, if we keep some good assistance or maybe he brings over some key guys that kind of know the area as well and can help in the recruiting part of things. And usually, like we always see, the coaches bring some guys or some guys will come and follow them. So maybe some of the better guys or guys that are, you know, thinking about going to North Texas that might be a little bit of the higher quality players that we can bring as well. You know, I, I really do like this higher I know that there are – I mean, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and I do agree that the offense, you know, if we just kind of hope to play that kind of offense and play the defense that he plays, it might not go all that well. But I do believe that we could have some pretty high expectations, maybe not high like national championship high like a few years ago, but just making the tournament, I think that should be sort of the baseline at Texas Tech. And regardless of who's that head coach – Hopefully, you know, he can come in and set that standard. But realistically, we should always kind of expect to be in that NCAA tournament. So I do believe that he can come in and make that happen in the first year, especially if we bring back some of the guys that have left in the transfer portal so far. To your point, I think it's pretty interesting that you said, you know, that he could possibly bring over some some guys that he had recruited to North Texas. Because, you know, to your point uh, – the first runs that Tech made in that tournament were made with guys that were two and three stars. You know that those those were guys that had a chip on their shoulder because they weren't highly recruited coming out of high school, and you know they came to Tech and played for Chris Beard and um, 
you know, they had that chip on their shoulder and they wanted to prove that they belonged in, uh, you know, D1 basketball and Power 5 basketball. And, um, you know, back then, I don't know if the Big – I don't think the Big 12 is as, as, you know, insane of a gauntlet as it is now. Um, and, but, you know, that it's it's just one of those things that – it almost kind of like a, like I mean you know it kind of makes you think like you're getting back to your roots you know and um, you know if that's the case uh, you know I I would be more than happy to have you know a guy that's a three star recruit that's gonna bust his ass on defense you know diving for every ball um, you know and and causing you know mayhem on the defensive side uh, you know get some playing time over a guy who's gonna fire up twenty shots a game but he's gonna rest on defense every possession yeah uh, matt, and, matt and, mooney comes to mind whenever it would later you just yeah. described to matt mooney who i just want to add played high school basketball like an hour away from me but yeah matt mooney is exactly what you just mentioned right there yeah exactly and so like like you mentioned and and even though you know matt mooney was here for you know it's, it's the 2019 run uh, i i think that that's um I think that that's, you know, that's like the type of person that embodies the program. Uh, and I think it's only fitting that, um, that Norrence Odiase is on, is on the, you know, search committee, because I think he's also someone that you look at that truly embodies the full, um, you know, Red Raider, uh, you know, persona. Um, I think that, I think that, that Matt Mooney and Norrence are great, um, are great, uh, you know examples of that um read with with all the stuff being said you know this is kind of a foregone conclusion um what are you thinking uh i guess roster wise are you are you thinking that you know we'll possibly be able to retain some guys um you know there have been some guys that have kind of come out and said you know i'm i'm probably staying here um you know forgive me but i can't remember the guy's name who transferred in from georgia but, um, you know, he's already kind of mentioned that he's pretty much staying regardless of who the coach is. Um, you know, you got some guys that I think it's very telling that a lot like the portal's been open. Right. So the a lot of these guys could have hit the portal by now. The whole team could have hit the portal by now. Um, and no one would really probably think twice of it. Everyone would kind of be like, yeah, well, I'm. I'm not shocked, but you know, you really only have a few guys. Uh, you know, you have Robert Jennings, but you know, Jennings has been vocally, uh, you know, uh, has put it out there that he's willing to come back to tech. If, you know, if the right hire is made, um, I'm not so sure about Elijah Fisher. Um, you know, with him being in the portal, I, I, I don't know if his, uh, you know, if his personal stuff, you know, if his offensive, uh, aspirations and stuff. If it, if that makes it too far gone for him, um, you know. But like you like I said, you know, what are you thinking? Are you are you thinking that you know it's very possible to retain a good amount of this roster? Yeah, I do think it is pretty possible to do that because, uh, like you said, I mean, the portal's been open now for a few weeks since these guys uh, finished up the season at the Big Twelve tournament, um, and. You know, in, in my mind, uh, if these guys really wanted to leave, they would have already done it by now. So uh, I think if, if they were really that worried about the hire, they would have already put their name in the portal uh, and would have been shopping somewhere else at this point. So I think it just goes to show that they're, they're willing to stay. Um, you know, there's, there's a 
solid core guys that would can be coming back and Tyson and um, possibly Pop Isaac, which I'm honestly kind of surprised by, but uh, he might be a little bit more loyal to, to Tech than I kind of originally thought, which, uh, you know, if he takes a little bit of growing, I think would be good for us as well. So, um, but there's a few others like Jennings, if he was to come back and Lamar Washington, um, as well as some others. And I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but um, also too, I think, I believe Davion Harmon's got one more year left. Uh, if he wants it, might be incorrect, but no, you're, you're correct. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So that would, something like that would be huge for a uh, new coaching staff coming in to have a veteran uh, of that caliber on the floor who's been in the big 12 and, um, and major major D1 basketball here for like the last five years or what feels like 50 years with him really um, would, would be very good to have him back. And uh, I think McCaslin, you know, I haven't done an extensive amount of research on him, um, but I do know he was at Baylor for a long time and now he's over here at North Texas and you know, everywhere he's been, he's, he's been a winner and uh, he's been in the state of Texas for the vast majority of, of his tenure in, in coaching. So, I think that really helps you recruit guys from the immediate area. We've got two really big hot spots in the Houston area and then up in the DFW spot where uh, you got a lot of talent coming out of numerous high schools where, um, you know, kids from, from those high schools are might be typically going to the Dukes and the Kentuckys and stuff like that. And then I think here in the last few years, they're starting to poach a few of them before the coaching switches were made. And uh, I think Grant McCaslin would be a good fit and, uh, trying to retain some of that uh, a little bit again. Uh, the, the only thing that just kind of I don't want to say worries me is that he just hasn't been at this level yet. Uh, and then also he hadn't, like you all have mentioned, he hadn't had the offense to really um, complement the stellar defense that he's got. So um, I think it could be a vanilla hire in terms of I think you're you're kind of looking for the same thing that Chris Beard was you know, five, six years ago. I think he's basically today's Chris Beard hire uh, that we made, which necessarily isn't necessarily a bad thing, but uh, I do think there's a little bit more risk involved doing that than uh, if you were to go hire someone that's been a head coach and a power five level for a numerous amount of years, uh, whoever that may be. But um, I, I think there is a little bit of risk factor, but at the same time, there's, there's no reason to think he couldn't handle it either. And, um, possibly even flourish and get us back to where we were just uh, just last year. Yeah, I agree with that, and and I I think you know your uh, I guess you could if you want to call it a pro con a pros cons list, right? Like um, like your cons, you know. I think it's very well they're warrant they're well warranted. Um, uh, I I think Graham McCaslin would be a good coach, um, but. You know he's been at North Texas for however long, and he's only made the tournament once um, out of Conference USA. So um, one tournament berth in you know five or six seasons, um, you know okay. Um, but then you know if you really kind of want to delve into that, it could be kind of talking about uh, what Chris referenced. You know, uh, you know maybe if he gets a higher brand of talent, then you know he gets to the he gets to the uh, tournament no problem uh you look at the records that his teams has uh you know tonight north texas won its 30th game of the season so they're 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 30 and 7 on the season after tonight's win so um 
you know, I, I, there aren't really a whole lot of other teams with 30 plus wins. You don't really see 30 plus wins in a college basketball season. Um, hardly at all. I mean, you're seeing it this year with, um, the team that beat them to get to the NCAA tournament and they're now in the final four, which is FAU. So, um, that, that conference final was, you know, North Texas and FAU. So, um, you know, this year I think you can kind of put a put a star by it. You know, they're they're in the NIT final now, and um, they didn't lose to a bad team, obviously, because the team that they lost to lost out to to go to the tournament is in the final four. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that y'all have some really good points, and and I think that um, I think that it's 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 well warranted to, to point out that he has won everywhere that he's gone. Um, like I've mentioned multiple times, you know, I grew up going to I grew up going to Grant McCaslin basketball camps because when I was uh, you know uh, late elementary um, kind of junior high age, um, he was coaching at Midland College and he was winning JUCO national championships at Midland College. So. Um, and he won pretty much immediately. I think he got the job at Midland in like 05, and I think he won the JUCO National Championship in like 07. So, I mean, it was quick. And, um, you know, he went to Baylor, and he was an assistant at Baylor for for four or five years. Um, and, you know, he yeah, he's a winner everywhere he goes. And, um, you know, maybe at that point, Baylor wasn't winning a whole lot, but they were definitely on the up and up through their rebuild and that was kind of like through the through the knockout dragout years of their rebuild when they were starting to, um, you know, make their way back into relevance again in the Big Twelve. And you know, you look at where that program's at. You know, Scott Drew was at the game tonight. They interviewed him at, at halftime. Um, you know, he's still really good friends with Grant McCaslin. So, um, you know, I think you can kind of. It's kind of weird to say, but you can kind of almost compare the Scott Drew coaching tree right now with kind of like the Mike Leach coaching tree, right? Like uh, you had a lot of guys that played played under Mike Leach or coached for Mike Leach at some point that, you know, are now head coaches at programs across the country. You know, you have Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, Graham Harrell is, you know, uh, is a coordinator at Purdue now uh, after leaving West Virginia. You know, you have Neil Brown who's at West Virginia still. Uh, and you know, the, the, the list go on, you know, Sonny Cumbie at Louisiana tech. And like you mentioned, you know, it's just forever a list, but you know, I think Scott drew kind of is trying, is kind of getting that thing going for himself. Um, uh, you know, with Jerome Tang being at Kansas state, you know, Grant McCasland at North Texas, you know, there are other assistants in other places. Um, but I, I think that it's pretty interesting to kind of see that happen. And, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, and, you know, that game is on Thursday. So, you know, it could be as early as, you know, Saturday or Sunday that we hear about Texas new basketball coach and they put it in writing. Um, so I, I think that that's pretty realistic. Um, do either of y'all have anything to add before we log up, before we sign off? I have actually two things to add. So one, Kyron, Kyron Lindsay is the name of the dude, the guy from Texas, yes. uh, Georgia. Yes. And Thank I just want to say watching him play like his high school tape and then kind of like the scrimmage that they have on YouTube, he is like 
a more, and this guy was already pretty athletic, but Zach Smith, he's pretty much the same size, just as athletic, and he can like take the ball down the court. Like he, I'm very excited for what Kyron Lindsay is actually going to bring to this basketball team, and that the and the fact that he's staying is like awesome. I can't wait. I, I hope that he blossoms into something great, and one of the, it becomes like a player that the fan base can kind of rally around and. He, I, I have so much like promise for what he can be for this uh, basketball team. And my last point, um, another guy that kind of just slips my mind and then I realize like, oh my gosh, he could technically be under the Mike Leach coaching tree is Eric Morris, who was like one of my favorite players ever yeah. in Texas Tech. He's like, he's Ironically, the, head coach. the coach at North Texas. He's the head coach at North. That's just like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Look, of all the players, crazy. I ugh, that's just amazing. And, and the, yeah. uh, what's his name? Uh, the wide receiver who does that podcast. He's a head coach. Uh, he's oh, a, um, I yeah, I know who you're talking Interacted about. with him. Leon? Yeah, Leon. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, another thing I want to – that you bring that up, it's pretty uh, interesting. Uh, to Reed's point, I I think that um, – I know that Davion Harmon and, and the Steffies are really good – uh, family friends, and so I think that he wants to play with Drew Steffi for a year. And as far as I know, Drew Steffi is still committed to Texas Tech, so um, that kid can ball out. Uh, I've seen a couple of his games uh, in Frisco, and uh, that kid is that kid is talented. Kid's uber talented, and um, I think that he'll be he'll be really well utilized at Tech, and um, I think that. You know, with with your, I think that you're going to see a lot of this roster uh, retained, um, not in a in a way of necessarily him, uh, you know, retaining everyone. But and I don't mean this negatively at all to anyone who does leave Texas Tech. But um, I think some of the guys that have entered the portal really don't have a whole lot of suitors that are on the Power Five level. So. Um, I think that, you know, some of them are just better suited to come back to tech and, you know, just stay here. Um, but with all that being said, we'll wrap up. Uh, we're right at about 50 minutes. Uh, so right in our sweet spot. Um, we want to thank you all for tuning in. Um, we will have a new episode. I'm not sure if we're going to go Thursday. I think we're going to try. We're recording this Tuesday, the 28th. Um, so I believe we will try and go on Thursday as well. Uh, I know, I believe Kendall will be back for that one. I think Mike will also. So we'll see where we're at with that one. But again, tonight has been me, Jack, with Reed and Chris. Uh, again, we want to thank y'all for listening. Uh, we're signing off until next time. So thanks and wreck them. <laughs>